Thank you. Well, here we are. My goodness. Um, <clears throat> I just want to talk briefly. So, last week we finished a series. Those of you who, who aren't with us each time, we, we've just finished a series looking at one of the books of the New Testament and talking about relying on God, looking at it passage by passage. What, we, what we're looking at doing now, between now and Easter, is similar looking at one of the letters in the New Testament, which is the letter of Paul the Apostle to the church in Philippi called the Philippians. And what we're going to do is focus on risking it for God, and that's going to be our theme. Um, now, what I don't want to do this morning is steal the thunder of any of the remarkably gifted speakers that are going to be coming up here and sharing. Um, so, I don't want to steal that. So, Tim is, Tim is going to come up next week and uh, just blow your minds. Um, so, uh, no pressure, Tim. And... Uh, as we kick off. <laughs> but, and then and we have a range of other speakers as well. Now, it, for those of you, again, um, who are not familiar with the way that we operate, well, this will not necessarily be every week. We have an all-age service coming at the end. I'm very, very pleased to say that Brad Ringer is going to be joining us again at the beginning of February. He's a guest from the U.S. who came and really blessed us in the early autumn, and he's going to be back. We didn't, uh, we didn't give him a subject. We just said come and share what, what you've got to share with us. He blessed us last time. So there'll, there'll be gaps, but in the meantime, we'll, we'll pursue this theme. Okay, so I just wanted to, first of all, tell you a little bit about the letter to Philippians and where it comes from. So in the New Testament is a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Now, the reason he wrote it was because the church in Philippi had sent him money. Now, you might think, well, that's good. He'd send a thank you letter. But this is quite loaded because the church in Philippi sent him money by a person. So a person called Epaphroditus came with a load of money to Paul. At the time when the church gave this gift, Paul was under house arrest in Rome under the emperor Nero. Not a man known for his reasonable responses to things he didn't like. Uh, and so what the Philippians had done is actually give a very public gift. There was no, it wasn't a secret gift. They publicly associated with the Apostle Paul while he was under house arrest in Rome. Now the reality, this probably happened around about AD 60-61. What the reality was that after a short time after this, Paul was released from house arrest and, and did, did some more uh, work before a few years later he was again arrested by the Emperor Nero after the great Roman conflagration. So, you know, the fire in Rome where Nero allegedly um, fiddled and he was then executed. So that was really only about three or four years later. Paul ran a very dangerous race, but the Philippians were not afraid to go with them. And this is a remarkable thing because the Philippian church 
was first of all the first church founded in Europe. It was the first church in a truly Roman town. So in Philippi, the people considered themselves to be Roman citizens. It was populated by a lot of army veterans. They spoke Latin. So it was a very Roman, Roman town. It, it had, you know, it was all based on paganism. It was very wealthy. There were lots of rich people there. There were gold mines. It was on a trade route. It was a very, very wealthy place. But this, in this church, people were converted to the gospel from paganism. Now, traditionally, I say traditionally, but Paul's normal way of operating, he was Jewish, was he would start when he went to a town and visit the Jewish synagogue, preach the gospel, and as the Jewish people who listened to him were converted, so they would go out and preach to other people. Philippi didn't have enough Jewish people in it to have a synagogue. The few Jews there were met by a river. So Paul formed a church made out of people who weren't Jewish. That's where he started. And that was the first one, really. And the interesting thing about the letter to Philippians is that it is the only letter that doesn't have any Old Testament references in it at all. And that's because the people who were reading it hadn't got the Old Testament. And if they had got a copy, the chances are they couldn't read it in the language in which it was written. So there are no, it's a start from the beginning type of church. But what they did for Paul was quite remarkable because they very much turned their back on their Roman pagan roots and in a very dangerous, realistically speaking, life-threatening way associated themselves with the gospel he was preaching. And that's really something. So I want to read to you from a little first passage in Philippians. And Philippians uh, chapter 1, and it's just a little passage. You don't need to follow it. It's just um, from verse 3 to verse 11. It says this, Paul has just said, hello from Paul and Timothy um, to you. And he says this, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
So Paul is saying some remarkable things, and I really like this, and I want to make one thing and one, one point only about this, and it's this statement that the Apostle Paul, arguably the greatest evangelist we've had, wrote to the Philippians and called them partners in the gospel. Wow. Now, that is a compliment. And Paul's attitude to the gospel was this, I will preach the gospel until they put me in prison. And that will simply change the people that I preach the gospel to until they release me. And then I will preach the gospel again until they put me back in prison. Now, the Philippians knew this because when Paul first went to Philippi, he preached the gospel, met someone filled with a demon, cast the demon out, and ended up in prison. So the first non-Jewish converts in this non-Jewish church was the guy whose job it was to keep him in prison. So it's true. When he was not in prison, he preached the gospel. And when he was in prison, he preached the gospel. And the idea of being sent to prison didn't stop him preaching the gospel. Now that's a remarkable thing, isn't it? But then to write to a church and say, and I consider you to have a similar character to me, that is some compliment, isn't it? That's like, wow, I'm impressed by that. Could we, would we dare to risk it for God like the Philippians? So this is a missionary letter to a missionary church with a missionary attitude who will risk it for God. And that's exciting. So first question, really, is what is this gospel that people are prepared to risk death to keep sharing? And it is this. Our life that we are living now is but a portion of our entire existence. But it is a significant proportion because from our birth when our life starts, our spirit before God is in trouble. And however much we feel that we can justify our own actions to ourselves, deep down we know that we're in trouble. And we can skim it over, and people do, with all sorts of things, with everything from busyness to alcohol and drugs. But the reality is that eventually we face up and only then can we see that we can be rescued from this. And the person, the only person who can rescue us is Jesus. And Paul had a remarkable conversion. He persecuted the church. He put Christians to death. And then he met Jesus. Now, not only did that shock him that he met Jesus, but that Jesus would forgive him for even that massive wrong. Because Jesus has the power to forgive. It doesn't matter what you've done. He can put it away. It doesn't matter. He has the power and the authority. And he can turn your life upside down to the point where you, all you want to do is share Jesus with people. Because it is life and death. Because the rest of it really just comes and goes. 
And it's fantastic. Now, what I want to say about this is fantastic. Because the Philippians, they spoke out boldly. They didn't shy away. They contended for the gospel. They were quite comfortable being associated with Paul. Now, I, I, I don't know. When I was younger, I've stopped this. But when I was younger, because I don't agree with it particularly enormously... I used to put my head down and slink past the people who were standing on the street corners shouting the gospel at people because I I really struggle often to think that that's that effective. But I got to the point where I didn't really want to associate with it. I used to put my head down and just, just go past. And I was really challenged about this. Who am I to say how the gospel gets preached? So I don't do that now. I will stand, I will say hello if I get the chance, if I can, if I can get a word in edgeways, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, it, it's about being associated with it, contending with the gospel. But they were, they were prepared to put their money and their time and their lives on the line to support this. They met together publicly and they pursued those things, which was exciting. And they stood out. But here's the thing I think is really interesting. Is this a church that didn't have any religious background? Now, just let this sink in for a second, okay. The church that is the most gospel-orientated is the church with the least religious background. So they don't know all the big religious controversies. They don't know any of them. You know, they're not interested in debating about, I don't know, creation or, you know, whose translation we should have or, you know, whether we should have words to read out or whether we should make them up as we go. or whether, They didn't have all of They didn't have all the teachings that we have. They didn't get hung up on all those things. And because they didn't, all they'd got left was the gospel of Jesus and unencumbered by all the rest, they could take it out. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that we shouldn't learn about these things or discuss these important issues. But as a church, what we ought to be is this, gospel first. Partners in the gospel first. Then we work out the rest. And that's good. And that's what they did. So the Philippians were like Paul. And they, were, they would risk it for God. They, now, the only thing that Paul says about the religious teachers is watch out that you don't end up being sidetracked by controversies. Keep to your original path, which is the gospel. And I would say the same. Let's us not be sidetracked. If you don't know Jesus, don't let yourself be sidetracked by your busyness and the things that people have done or the people who've claimed to represent God who've misbehaved, and there are a few of them, um, or your own sense of yourself. Don't be sidetracked. Come to Jesus. And those of us in this church, let's not be sidetracked from the gospel by all sorts of other things. We could work them out but let's not be sidetracked. Let's do this. We're saved from sin and we're forgiven. We're growing in knowledge because we've received the Holy Spirit. 
We're developing in depth because we're set apart and we're filled with the fruit of righteousness. So Jesus can change us. He can change us as a church. He can make us as a church something other than what we are now. He can make us partners in the gospel, unencumbered, risking it for God in all those ways. So what I want to say today is this. You make commitments, it's good. But where it matters is where we deliver. You know, we can say, oh, well, you know, I, I, I listen to David Cameron. I believe in Christian values, he says. Well, those are easy words to say, but do we live a Christian life? I believe the gospel changes people's lives. Thank you for that. Why aren't you telling anybody? Wouldn't it be nice if those lives actually changed? I believe there is a life beyond why, therefore, am I clinging so tight onto the one I got now? I believe gospel first. Well, let's not be encumbered by religion, but live gospel first. So the whole series is going to be about risking it for God. What an adventure. What an adventure. Come with me. Let's be partners in the gospel. Let's have an adventure in Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, let me introduce you to him. He's waiting for you. If you know Jesus, but something is getting in the way, let us pray for you. We've got people with their prayer encouragement badges on. They'll pray for you. Let's get rid of what encumbers. If you think that it is time for you to change, let us pray for you and join you on that change. This is a big adventure. It's a new year. It's a new chance. It's a new opportunity. Let's not waste it. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have appointed us to be partners in the gospel. Sometimes that just seems like the scariest job in the whole world. But Lord, it's actually the biggest adventure and the biggest compliment that you could give us. That you would entrust to us the good news of Jesus. Not because we're special, not because we're clever, not because we're good, not because we're any better than anybody else. Lord, in fact, the opposite because we're a bit rubbish and a bit duff and a bit dirty and a bit flawed and a bit full of wrongdoing. But that's what the gospel's for, Lord. I thank you that you forgive my sin. And every time I fall over, you pick me up again. And every time I get it wrong, you forgive me. Lord, let the good news of Jesus well up in me to the point where I can't keep it in. I'm quite happy to risk it for you and be a partner in the gospel. I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.